Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, we are going to get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen? First and foremost, I want to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for paying our sin debt in full and helping us that we don't have to work to get saved. Amen? He worked for us. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. And doing for us what we can never, ever do for ourselves. We're eternally grateful. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study in their facility, one body. Many parts. I'd like to thank the people that so faithfully served to keep this all going. And the people that came in to help get all that stuff out of there. You did a great job. It's really, really nice in the next thing. So thank you for doing that. We all need each other. This would never be able to function if we didn't. We all need each other. There's no way I could do all that. So that's good. We need each other. That's, I'm really honored that we all stepped up and did that. That's, that's awesome. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father and Savior, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity, Lord, to gather together as your family and your children to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord, even even over our own, Lord, as you fight to become first in our lives, Lord, against our sin nature. Thank you for giving us the Savior. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, Lord, as the ultimate teacher of all truth and the comforter that comforts us through all our troubles and the ultimate convictor that keeps our sin nature in check, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us always be aware of our sin nature trying to crawl up into our lives all the time, Lord, as we try to grow spiritually as the devil tries to attack us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, Lord, from that. Help us to see you in everything, Father. I pray for the people that aren't here and the people that are sick, Lord, that you touch their hearts through their brokenness, Lord, that they could reach for you and find you. As the Bible says, that you're not far from any one of us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for our brokenness because it drives us back to our knees and to the foot of the cross again, dependent on you and not ourselves, Lord. Thank you for all the people in the ministry, Lord. Keep them safe in your hedge around them, Lord. I pray for traveling mercies when we depart, Lord, that you keep them all safe so we get home safely, so we can enjoy fellowship again as we come to celebrate the birth of your son. And let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, as always, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to stand and sing. The girls are going to come up and usher in the spirit. We'll get started with tonight's service. Every time I try to make it on my mind, 
Every time I try to stand, start to fall. And all those lonely roads that I traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I've been came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. Well, there was Jesus. song that yeah, is like there was Jesus Amen. Oh, once we start to understand him and his ways through reading understanding his word we start to see him in everything now he's in the valleys he's in the, he's with us all the time when you mature you can see it in yeah. every situation yes, yes. and you can just say thank you Jesus because he's molding and shaping us through every situation yeah. in our lives 
And when we finally start to see that, we can thank Him for it. Because we start, we always see what's wrong with other things and other people and what's going on out there. We never really see what's wrong with us. And He's trying to show us what is. That he, that's why we needed a Savior, because we can't save ourselves or fix ourselves for that matter or fix anyone else. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And then once you understand that, you can start to breathe and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing for me what I can't do for myself. It only brings frustration and pain when I try to run my life. All right, how's everybody doing tonight? It's really, really good to see everybody. I'm glad I'm here. I definitely needed it, you know, especially a halfway point of the week, and it's just crazy because, you know, the, the season and everybody's trying to get their car back, and it's just there's it, just ne never enough time to get everything done. But there's always time for Jesus, amen, because he always makes time for me. That's right. Uh, he's always there. He's never, there's no busy signals or he's on break or nothing. He's... He's there 24-7, you know, so, you know, there's no reason why I can't be there for him to honor him. I'm just grateful, I'm really grateful tonight. Okay, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. This is an awesome verse here. Yeah, this is uh, going to tie in, the song ties in with the message. Everything just ties in. It's just beautiful. As we go into the book of John. All right, now's the time to just empty whatever's going on out there and all the craziness and just to relax and let the Spirit speak to you through the church tonight, okay? The Holy Spirit is going to take over now. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Give everybody a minute to get there. Everybody there? Awesome. <clears throat> and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. So the roots grow into our heart. He gives us that new heart. And then around that new heart starts to build our new life through that new heart. So you can't build a new life with the old heart. It only causes frustration. We can't live the Christian life in the flesh. Every time we try, we fail. Or every time we expect someone else to do it, we put unrealistic expectations on people and we get mad at them. It's like, what do you think about what you're trying to say here? The only one that can fix this and it's Jesus. Every time we try to fix it, we fail. Or fix someone else. Can I get an Amen. It says, let your lives be built on him, not on your ways of thinking, because he's going to renew our minds. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, you know, if you've been coming to this ministry for quite some time, you're getting a lot of truth here. And you can start to understand his ways and how he works, and now you can thank him even when things ain't going right. Because now you understand him. You understand the truth that you were taught. It has to be taught to us. We have to learn the truth. Because we lived a lie all these years of the world system. Now the truth is coming and now we're starting to understand his ways. And they're a lot different, aren't they? Yeah. Now we're starting to understand how he works. Now look what it says. And you will overflow with thankfulness. I'm very thankful that God opened our eyes, 
open my eyes to see the simplicity in the Bible so I can help you see the simplicity in the Bible so you don't get confused about scriptures. They're very simple. And that's, that's a childlike faith. It'll keep us reaching for him always. Can I get an amen? All right. Now it says, don't let anyone, look at verse 8, capture you with empty philosophies, which they're going to try to do. The world always tries to hit, mix Christianity with philosophy. Okay? And high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. You see how the world mixes this in. You see, it doesn't mix. And there's another translation that calls spiritual powers higher powers. They get the higher powers from the King James Version of the Bible. It's called higher powers in Colossians chapter 2. And that's where they get higher power. Yeah, now you do. If you don't know, now you know. Because I'm here to educate everybody in Christianity. And, and because I've, everybody says, well, yeah, I have a higher power. Yeah, yeah. No, there's only one higher power, and it's Jesus Christ. There, there's a lot of powers out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's only one higher power, and that's Jesus. And it's a deception for think, to think that a higher power is Jesus. He is the only power. And there's a lot of stuff out there that people reach for that's more tangible than this. You know? Spiritism and ritualism and what? Mediums and going to fortune tellers and flipping cards to see what life's all about. Just because you can see stuff like that. Like crystal balls and all crazy stuff. That's not God. That's demonic. Because everything that you need to know about Life is in the Bible. About the future, what, what it holds, where you're at, and where you need to be going, and where, what you need to be thinking, is in the Bible. Through Christ. Now look what it says. Rather than from Christ. See, it says spiritual powers of this world, which is what? Satanic. Rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human, bo in a human body. If you would want to know how God would act down and live down here, you look at Jesus' life and say, that's God. That's what God would do when he was in any circumstance if down here. So he could, we could see how we could um, imitate that. that. How would God want me to be? Like Jesus is in all them circumstances. Now look what it says in verse 10. So you are complete through your union with Christ. What do you mean I'm complete? There's nothing else. You are complete in Christ. Heaven is your home. That's what God says. The moment you believe in Him, you are complete in Christ. And now He's what? You're becoming whole by understanding the Word of God. And now you're becoming complete. You don't need anything else. You don't know to go, need to look anywhere else to find out about God or any other thing in life. You are complete in Christ, which is the Word of God. Can I get an amen? And when you come here, you don't see me open in any other books, do you? No, because there isn't only any other books. This is the only book inspired by God speaking to his children and teaching us what's right and wrong and how we should think, how we should live, how we should act. Now look what it says. So you are also complete through a human who is head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised 
but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Ooh, think about that now. When the, when the doctor has to cut something off, say you've got something, you've got to cut that off, right? It's painful, right? That's why cutting away our sinful nature is painful. Because we like some of that, and it's like it, cruci- it, it, it causes pain when he starts snipping at it. But here's the thing there's anesthesia for that. There's anesthesia for that. It's the Word of God. Knowing that, look, He's going to take care of us. He's cutting that away, and you can understand now you don't have to feel any pain anymore because you know that it's God doing the work. You see? There's no more pain. But when you don't know the word of God, it's really painful when he cuts it away. But once you get an understanding of this, you say, okay, snip away. Because I need to get pruned. As we get into John chapter 14 and 15, remember? You know, even after you mature, he says he keeps clipping. (laughs) He keeps snipping. He keeps snipping. Drew's a hair cutter, right? Imagine if you just snip somebody's ear. Oh boy, cutting away. If you cut, if you start cutting their flesh, it's painful, right? Well, that's what he's trying to say here. I'm cutting away your flesh, and that's the painful part of the spiritual walk. And most people walk away because they don't get it. They don't understand it because nobody teaches that to them. He's trying to make you like Jesus, and your flesh is in the way. He's got to cut it away. Thank God he gave us a new heart, right? That was an awesome scripture. Thank you, man, for sharing it. I got one for you, too. How's that? Okay, and I even put it up already. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11. This this came to this came. This was hit. This was knocking all day at me, this verse. Because the way when I look outwardly. Everything's chaotic. Everything. Getting up in the morning. Having to do this. Having to do that. And it's it's like I can't even breathe. The way the world's going. Especially in this time of the season. They make it more commercial than joyful. Look, you can celebrate the birth of Jesus. We do. We're Christians. We recognize it every day. You know what I mean? But now the world sees it. But they see it in a different way. Ooh, I'm going to get a gift this year. No, the gift came. It was Jesus to save you from your sins. He came. And that was important. And what do they do? Oh, gifts. But we do. See, it's not for us to condemn them because they're just ignorant. They just don't know any better. They know Santa Claus better than Jesus. I knew Santa Claus better than Jesus when I was in the world. I knew of Jesus, but I knew more about Santa and his sleigh bells and all his and his reindeer and all that. Instead of you know, I knew the you know the manger and all the basic stuff about Jesus, but I didn't know how he can change someone's life. Right. Santa can you know you, you, Santa's going to change my life today by giving me something I wanted all year. <laughs> You see how the world mixes, I mean, it's all paganism mixed in with, that's why it was saying in Colossians, empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from the spiritual powers of this world. The spiritual powers come into this world and make you focus on Saint Nick instead of Jesus. You see? 
That's the other powers of the world make us see that. Even Christians. Even Christians. We all get deceived by it. And what does it say? Oh, it's good. Because you're getting gifts and you're giving gifts. Oh, that's good. But if you're not glorifying God in the gift, it's only vanity and flesh. You know, when somebody buys you something, oh, I got to buy them something. You know? Oh, I got... Oh, I, I, I spent all this money on them and look what I got in back. Oh, mm. It's a competition instead of a... You know, you're not expecting anything back. It's a gift. That's like Jesus when, when God gifted you with grace. Right? With salvation. That's like saying, okay, well, you're not giving me enough of your life, so I'm taking my salvation back. See? It's the world system mixing in with Christianity. And it's ugly. Actually, it is ugly. Because say somebody doesn't have any money and you want to give them a gift. How can you expect them to give you the gift back when they don't have anything? The gift is you wanting to do it without anything in return. That's the right motive. Now it doesn't matter what you get from them because that's not why you bought them something. You bought them something because you, you want to fill a need for them. Because you love Jesus, what he did for you, you just want to reciprocate back to somebody in a tangible way. That's what it's all about. Not, oh, I'm cheap. Look what I get. It's like, that's what the world does. It's in comparison. That's not Christianity. If you come to church buying somebody something, ooh, I want I wanted something nice instead. That's like what kind of Christianity is that? That's vanity. That's selfish flesh. Wanting a gift. Instead of knowing who the gift is. Once you know who the gift is, now you want to give that gift out of a loving heart. Because you really want to see somebody, you know, because you know, we could all do the same thing and start um like we're helping somebody now, right? Somebody that needs it. Now, you can always question, oh, is it legit? Well, if it's from your heart, it doesn't matter. Because if it, God will judge it if it is. That's just an opportunity to say, well, I ain't giving nobody nothing then. So you have to understand, it's our flesh saying, is it legit? Because let me tell you something. If God, if God called people to do it, if God brought it on our heart, then it's good. No matter what they do with it, it doesn't matter. Because we did it for the glory of God. Amen? Thank you. Because human, we could always think, oh, that's sketchy. You sure that down the up and up? And, and then, so well, I'm not sure I want to give him anything. Then you'll never give. Because the world is sketchy. <laughs> the whole world has a motive. But when you look beyond the fault and see the need, there was Jesus. See the song? There was Jesus. He looked past the fault and seen the need. Amen? So, just check your heart. Look at verse 11 now. Is everybody here? Now, this is, this is so important to understand. We all have goals, right? Especially when the first of the year comes. We start to make resolutions and have a goal for this year. What I'm going to do. I got one for you right here. Highlight this one. Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Look at verse 11. Minding your own business. Minding your own business and working with your hands. Just as we instructed you before. Now look what it says in verse 12. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. 
You see it? It's all about what? Bringing people into the into Christ. And they're looking at the way you live. So if you're living a quiet, peaceful, minding your business life, right? And you're not a busybody getting into everybody's business. People see that and say, wow, they're really content and quiet and peaceful and they have joy. There was Jesus. You see? Because it says... Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. The only one you need to depend on is Jesus because you ain't going to make, you can't live a quiet life without him. Nope, there'll be conditions on everything in your life and you can't live a quiet life and you can't mind your own business without Jesus because we're very nosy. You know it as well as I do. And it's the craziest thing because I, I try to do that everywhere. I don't want to know. As a matter of fact, I got enough of my own thing. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to know. Because usually they're going to assassinate somebody's character, number one. And I don't want to get make a judgment on someone that I don't know the whole story. This is what people do. Somebody gets mad at somebody and they just assassinate their character because they're mad at them and tell them how bad they are. But they never really tell you, but that was, a, you know, he always helped me every time I needed him. Every time I called him, he helped me change my tire and helped me move. No, the only attack is bad part of him. And now I get it, now I develop a, a judgment on that person, how bad they are. Oh, what a jerk. And then when I see him, I don't even know the person. Now I'm already judging him. You see, that's how bad it is. That's why I, I don't want to know. Instead of going like this, go like this. <laughs> Instead of go like this, go like this. Can I get an amen for that? That's the only way. Make it a goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business. That's a goal. We're naturally nosy. So, if you want something for the uh, um, for January first, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse eleven. There's a good resolution for you. Keep your mouth shut and stop getting in people's business. And you know what? When you can do that, and then you could, God will start letting you see your own business, how bad it is. The mirror comes. Everything I'm judging other people is me. Boy, and I finally can see it now. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Because I'm worse than they are. We definitely don't want any Pharisees here. Okay, so please, don't judge people. Look at your own heart, how nasty it is. Please. And God says, that's why I came, to fix that, give you a new one. And then you what? Work on giving, letting someone else get a new heart. Lead them to the Word of God. That's what you can do. Let them come to their own conclusions. Amen? Amen. All right. That's a beautiful scripture, ain't it? Make it a goal to live a quiet life. Especially now. Imagine getting up in the morning. Nice and peaceful. Hear the birds. And you know what? As a matter of fact, when it snows, it's really quiet. You notice that? It's like a blanket over time. It's like you can't hear anything, but because it's like a muffler. You can't hear anything. And it's just so quiet and serene and beautiful before, you know, all the mud and stuff comes, the trees, and it's just it's just like a blanket over the over everything. That's what it's like, a blanket. God's giving us a blanket over all our problems. So that's how you can look at it tomorrow. Instead of getting frustrated, say, wow, God just put a blanket over everything so I can just relax. 
then get the shovel. All right, let's go to John. Does anybody know where we are in John? Yep. We do? Yep. We'll start in chapter 5. Yep. <laughs> All right. God is good, amen? You know, I don't really care for the snow that much. But when you think about it, it's a gift from God. It really is. It kind of like takes away of all the pollution and everything. It kind of just filters the air for you. You know how when you go outside, it's nice and like crisp and clean, right? If you look at it a different way, it's not so bad. Let's put it that way. Because everything, everything good comes from above. He's got it up there. He, he's got, he gives it to us for a reason, right? All right. John chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. And uh, we'll explain this a little bit as we go along, okay? Jesus heals a lame man. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the Pool of Bethesda. Other manuscripts read Bethsaida. And still others read Bethsaida. And five covered porches, right? With five covered porches. Now look at verse 3. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Now, I don't know if you ever recognize this or not, but if you look in your Bible, verse 3 goes right to 5. 4 is missing. Ah. See it? But there's a little asterisk, asterisk there, because I'm going to explain it to you, okay? But it's all, listen, those little asterisks in the Bible, a few to look down and read the little caption. You see the little star there? Now I'm going to read it to you. Some manuscripts add an expanded conclusion to verse 3 and all of verse 4. Now it says, waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and stirred up the water. And the first person to step in after the water was stirred was healed of whatever disease he had. So don't ask me why they left that out. I don't know why. But it's up to you to always go back into the thing where the asterisk is. Because some manuscripts exclude that so they didn't put it in there. So now you have to understand. But it says, you see what it says? An angel stirred up the water from time to time. Not all the time. So the guy was waiting for 38 years to be the first one to get it. When they stirred the water, somebody always jumped in front of him. Other, other, other than that, he would have been able to get in there after 38 years, creeped his way in, correct? Right. So that's why he couldn't get in. Because the angel stirred the water up occasionally. Not all the time was everybody healed when they jumped in that pool. It was only a certain time when it, the water had a certain movement. They knew that the water was circulating like a whirlpool. They knew every time that happened was when somebody was going to get healed. But it didn't happen all the time. That's why the guy was frustrated after 38 years because he was lame. Of course other people that aren't are going to jump in. Right before him, because it's a selfish world, right? Instead of helping the guy, right? 
They're like, get out of the way. I'm, I'm not letting you win first. I've been waiting for this to come. Now, I don't know how many times it came. It must have been like very seldom that that water got stirred. And he was just waiting there, imagine, for 38 years. But he knew there was something there. So, just so you know. All right, let's go to verse 5 now. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Imagine Jesus actually went to him and asked him, would you like to get well? He asked us, would you like to get well? Now let me just explain, before I go further with this, let me just explain the first scripture. It was three festivals or holy days he could have been talking about, okay? Required all Jewish males to come to Jerusalem. The first one was the festival of Passover and unleavened bread. The second one was the festival of harvest, which also called Pentecost, or the festival of weeks, okay? And third, the festival of shelters, okay? After 38 years, this man's problem had become a way of life. He started to just say, you know what, this is it, right? No one had ever helped him. He had no hope of ever being healed. The man's situation looked hopeless. But no matter how trapped you feel in your infirmities, listen to me now, in your infirmities, God can minister to your deepest needs. Okay? Don't let a problem or hardship cause you to lose hope. God may have special work for you to do in spite of your condition or even because of it. Many have ministered effectively to hurting people because they have triumphed over their own hurts. Can I get an amen for that? So we have to understand, whatever he recovered you from, he wants you to help someone else recover. That's why he gave you that problem. So after he heals you from it, remember he told, he told Peter, after you get restored, go and help your brothers. After Satan comes and you get buffeted and broken, after you get healed, go and help your brothers. Now that you're healed, what are you doing what he did with it? Are you going and help others with that so they can get healed? Or are you just keeping it for yourself? That's what he's trying to say. That's why Christians are miserable. They never do what, even Paul said it in 1 Corinthians, I think it was chapter 10. Wherever God fit, called you is where you to minister. Because that's where you know you got set free. That's how you can help someone else get set free. Wherever you were when that moment came in time is where he wants you to operate because now you have an experience. Can I get an amen? That's what he's trying to talk about here. The guy thought it was hopeless. Look, there's nothing hopeless with Jesus. That's the whole point. There's nothing hopeless. Whatever's going on in your life right now, it might seem hopeless, but the Bible says clearly, there's nothing impossible with God. And he said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, anything is possible. Is there someone that you want to come to Jesus that you've been wanting for a long time? Listen. You need to pray about that. You need to have others pray. You need to pray for Jesus to create a circumstance, whatever, so you can get them there. Because remember Jesus, remember I was talking to my brother about this. A prophet's not welcome in his hometown. You can talk to people all your life and they don't hear nothing. Because they know who you are. 
God might send somebody else. And all of a sudden it'll click. Pray for someone to come, if not you. That's a good thing to do. Can I get an amen? If you've been waiting for a long time for someone to come, pray that the Lord send someone so they can, look, pray that they can find God, not you. That's what they need to do because God needs to come first in our lives. Amen? Once he comes first, then the rest will follow. Amen? All right. Are you with me so far? Let's keep reading now. This is really a good chapter. John is... When I'm starting to study this book, I'm saying, I don't know if I can get through this book in a year in itself. But I we can't, of course. But there's so much in it. Spiritual food in it. Who want, who's hungry for spiritual food tonight? Well, you're going to get it. All right? You're going to jump in that... Let's say it. The water's staring right now. Hey, the, the, the Holy Spirit's staring the pool right now. You stare in the pool. You gonna jump in? Let's go. All right. I can't, sir. He said he admitted that he couldn't do it, though. See it? I can't, sir. The sick man said, "For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me." That's why they should have left that scripture in there, so you understand why yeah. somebody gets ahead of you. Right. But. There's an asterisk there. Now you know. I just educated you to always look down at the bottom of the page to see what might have been added or taken away. Amen? For what reason? I don't know. It's not like they were trying to hide anything from you because if they did, they wouldn't put it in at all. Okay? They put it in there because it might not have been in certain manuscripts that they found. And it might have been in some other ones. Because there's a lot of different manuscripts they use to get the Bible together. And that's another story for another time. But they didn't take it out. They just put it at the bottom so you can come to your own conclusion. Okay? Which they can thank God for that. There's nothing taken out of here. Now, when Jesus saw him, he knew. Verse verse 6. He asked him, would you like to get well? Then he said in verse 7, that's a humble man right there. I can't, sir, the sick man said. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him. That was it. Look what he said. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. So like, stand up. That's how, that's how easy it is for Jesus to heal you. But you have to be in a broken state where, no, I can't. See, I can't. When you can tap out, Jesus said, get up. I'm taking over from here. Get it? I'm taking over. I'm taking over. Stay home. The problem is you take over. That's the whole problem with the Christian walk. You take over instead of staying home. You're better off lame. You should be lame in your flesh. Let your flesh stay home. It's let it stay. You know, break, you know, um remember when J um Jacob wrestled with the angel? He wrenched his hip out of place. And that was the same again, you know. He had he limped for the rest of his life because of that. God had to break him. He was prideful. Read the account of Jacob. Remember when he came out, right? He pulled out his brother's leg so we can come out first. Remember? He was already a scoundrel at birth. But let me tell you something. That's the way God did it, though. God did it that way so... Because the firstborn always gets the inheritance. God said, I'm going to do it opposite of what humans do. I'm going to do it my way. 
and I'm going to show you how I do it. It has nothing to do with any kind of human human being. Matter when he said, when he told him to build an altar, he said, don't you dare cut them rocks. Leave them whole. Leave them complete. So that doesn't show your nakedness or your sin nature. Get, getting involved with it. There's so many spiritual things there. Anything human beings touch, right? That, that's why God said, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. Anything we touch is contaminating. Contaminates God's of purity. That's why he says don't touch it. That's why your sin nature gets in the way of Jesus. Because he's pure. We're not pure. And we try to be pure in the flesh and we can't be pure in the flesh. See how simple that is to say? You can't be pure in the flesh. That's why when you get in the way of it, Jesus can't work. That was just that, that was just the Holy Spirit telling you because that's those are the the truths of the bible in the old testament and the spiritual part of it i get an awesome understanding god has gifted me with that to understand the spiritual application of all the old testament and it's so important to understand them principles and they're really not that hard he brings the literal out so you can see it and then you see the spiritual underneath it why he did the literal well i'm here to help you so you can understand it Anything human beings touch, we destroy it. That's why you bring people to the Word of God. The purity of the Word of God. That's what saves. That's why we put on the top of our website, the Daily Walk, so people could actually read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit open their eyes. Thank you. All right. Now look what it says. Jesus said, verse 8, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. Oh boy. So the Jewish leaders objected. Now, he, these are all the spiritual elite. The Jewish leaders were the ones that had God through doctrine. Look, look. Look, the Jewish people, they said, the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. <laughs> see how human beings got in, involved with the law of God? You see what religion does to the word of God? That's what denominations are, God's age, are the devil's age trump. Human beings get into denominationalism and that's why the world's in a mess with the Word of God. Because they added human things to it. Yes. Wow. Lutheran, Panic, this, that, Baptist. They added their own principles to it. And now it's a mess. There's not one... If you can find me a denomination in the Bible, there isn't one. It's the Word of God. Believer. Anytime human beings get involved with this, it, it taints it. Get it? Now look what he said. Look what he said now. So the Jew, this law doesn't allow you to carry that sleep, but he replied, the man who healed me told me. He remembered what he said. See, so he obeyed, listen, he obeyed Jesus. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now you know that he knew what the religious leaders were going to say something about that. 
So he, what did he do? He threw Jesus under the bus, actually. He said, the man who healed me told me to. See it? Right away. Right under the bus, he threw Jesus. It wasn't. It was, so he told me. He did it. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Look at verse 14 now. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Imagine the guy was lame for 38 years. The next time he saw Jesus saw him, he was in the temple. He went right to the temple. He became a believer. Right? But look what he said, though. Jesus said something to him. Now that you were well, look at it. So after Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now that you were well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. There's a fair warning to believers that the message has been so stained by God's grace and all these things that, that you can continue in sin without anything, without any consequences. Do you really think that, that that's a contradiction then to what the scripture says? It says, now that you are well, don't you get saved? It is well with my soul, the Bible says. It says, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. It may or it may not. You want to roll the dice, that's up to you. But let me tell you something. Sin never produced anything good in my life. And let me tell you something. God is no joke. He said, or something worse may happen to you. And people go into church and thinking that there's nothing wrong with them continuing in sin. But it's not going to happen in this church. We're to be what? To walk away from sin and to walk into newness of life in Christ. Amen? Because sin is the problem from the beginning. How can you come to church and thinking that it's not going to be a problem after you get saved? <laughs> really, think about it. Common sense tells you. Why would sin not be a problem in my life down here? It's not a problem up there. Down here, after I get saved. Jesus isn't going to say, oh, I'm going to protect you in your sin nature. <laughs> no, he's not. As a matter of fact, when you go back in your sin nature, you get out from his umbrella. Into, now you're into the, uh, the wolves. The devil now has you. This is just a fair warning. You know, you, you do whatever you want. Listen. I learned the hard way that sin, continuing in sin after I got saved caused me nothing but more pain than before I got saved. And it will cause you more pain now because God has his hands on you. Believe me, if you're getting away with it, stop now. Repent, turn to him before judgment comes. Listen, I'm just trying to be a fair warning to you. Listen, God is no joke. He will... It, the Bible says your sin will find you out. I'm not talking about when you have a failure. I'm talking about somebody living in sin. Knowing it's wrong and still doing it. The Bible tells us clearly to stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Listen. You can take it at its face value. I believe what the Bible says to you. Just because nothing happened to you because you are doesn't mean that it's not going to. Well, I want to go to a church that says it's okay to sin. Well, you came to the wrong point. Because the Bible tells us to stop. And he gives us grace to do it. Maybe that's why the room ain't filled. Because people would rather keep sinning. 
It's so much easier to keep sinning than to have to stop. Now, are we, we're, not being, we're not talking about perfect. We know that thought, word, and deed, you know, any given. I'm talking about living, knowing it's wrong, and still doing it. That's a whole different issue, and God will deal with you. It's called living in sin and falling in sin. It's two different things. Okay. I digress from that. Now you just take it up with God. But I had to say it because it's in the Bible. Jesus said to stop sinning or something worse would happen to you. No, was he not talking to that guy anymore? He's long gone. He's talking to you. And me, by the way. So I'm not excluded from this. I've been to the woodshed many a times. All right, now look what it says. Now that you are well, so stop sinning. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Wow. Jesus claims to be the Son of God, verse 16. So the Jewish leaders began harassing or persecuting Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. You imagine, they were talking to God, right? Who made the commandments... Telling they were persecuting the God that they thought that they knew. Just imagine what they were doing. That's what religion does. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For not only for he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Ooh. But they knew by the way he healed that he was. Because nobody could do what he did. See, he's saying they don't have any excuse. They've seen all the miracles. And they're without excuse. That's why they got so, so much persecution from Jesus. So you see all these things. Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be better off than you are on the day of judgment. Because they've seen the miracles. Sodom and Gomorrah did it. And they still rejected him. Now, look in your life, all the miracles in your life today, and how many times we reject him to do our thing, to, live, to do a sinful act. We reject him. You know you can't take Jesus into it. Even though you think you're not taking him, you are. He comes into your sin with you. And this is what keeps me from doing it. I mean, I'm going to take Jesus into that nasty thing. That's what... The Bible, you want Jesus to be real with you. So whenever you're thinking, thinking of doing something dark, Jesus is sitting there just saying, I'm, I'm not just in the book. I'm right here. I'm the living word right now. And when that happens, now you can make some progress because you don't want to do that to Jesus. You don't care about yourself because we're self-destructive. But when it comes to being faithful to him, you don't want to do that. And what do we do? We ignore the word of God. We ignore Jesus. So we can. But sooner or later, as you keep learning the word of God, you can't ignore it anymore. It's been a pang. The roots go into you. And something happens. You start to transform and saying, I don't want that anymore. Even though you might fall into it, you don't want it anymore. So once you have that desire not to want it, now he's going to work in you to stop doing it. It's a process, amen. So don't beat yourself up if you are. If you're if you're trying, if you're saying no to something and still doing it, that's a good place because God 
is working on you. Because before you didn't say no, you said yes right to it. Now you're fighting it. But if you're not fighting it, beware. God will break you somehow. We're out of time. We're out of time. We'll continue with verse. I know that was quick, wasn't it? But just keep that in mind. Just stay. When we get um, back together, we'll get to verse 19. All right? So just highlight that. It's been an awesome study. God is so good to us. Listen. Now's the best time to represent Him. The Christmas season. All right, we're going to close. The girls are going to come up and sing. And we're going to close.
Thank you. Wayne, you want to close some prayer tonight, bro? Yes. Thank you. And brothers and sisters, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Lord, teach us to love one another. Love our enemies as well. Lord, teach us to build each other up, not bring each other down. Yes, Lord. We ask you to mold and shape us to be like your son, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Bless this country, bless this world, bless everybody in it. We all need to love each other. There's too yes. much violence in there. The devil's having his way. Yes. We can't allow that. Prayer is powerful. Yes, Lord. We have to stay together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. As I always say, put on the full armor of God so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Yes, Lord. We're strong in that. We have to be strong in that. We have to be rooted in the word from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed. Yes, Lord. And may everybody be safe tomorrow in this storm. Uh, take care of each other. If we need each other, call each other so yes, we can Lord. help each other. Yes, that's, Lord. that's the only way we're going to survive in this world. Yes, we Lord. have to be strong as a body. Yes. We all have safe travel missions tonight, and God bless. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Till we meet again. Be safe now. Be careful driving. Peace.